the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, church questions, questions about stuff going on in your life. All you have to do is to provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and as always if you're driving in your car the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen you'll be connected directly to our studio producer hey we don't have anything going on on a Tuesday so let me get right to some questions our first one is more a comment uh, then a question, it's from my friend Hindel in Austin, Texas, and she said, Iran, if you get a chance, could you tell your radio listeners the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say? Now, for those of you who have been regular listeners of the program, um, Hindel, he's, she was married to Mike, who is suffering from uh, pancreatic cancer. He wasn't a believer, and we've been praying for his healing, but we've also been praying earnestly uh, that he would get saved, and and we put those prayer requests out uh, to you several times uh, throughout the years. Well, here's the rest of the story. Uh, this is Hindle's own words. She says, right after my dear husband Mike and I called your radio program on July 15th to ask for prayer for his terminal metastatic pancreatic cancer and for Mike to heal or to hear, rather, to hear clearly from Jesus as he was yearning for, Mike said the sinner's prayer twice. After 40 years of being together, Mike finally, in the final week of his life, gave his heart to Christ and enthusiastically received his free gift of salvation. The next day, he started a swift decline in mind and body and died early on the morning of July 20th. I appreciate all the faithful prayers of you and Paula and the radio listeners. And while God did not see fit to give Mike more time, he took him to heaven where I will see Mike again and be together for eternity. Praise God! Exclamation point on that. Never, she says, never give up praying for anyone. As long as there's breath, there's hope. Um, Hindle, I wanted to pass that along. Uh, thank you for sending the update. I, I wanted to do it earlier as I emailed you, but uh, I don't do these things without your blessing or permission. And so when you uh, email me today, uh, it was just a perfect opportunity. Let me comment on this for a moment because um, it, to, to me, it's an amazing thing to watch God work sort of behind the scenes. Um, uh, Mike, I'm sure, was a nice guy. Hindle loved him. And, um, um, you know, sometimes nice people, uh, they're hard to realize. They have a need to get saved. And God used cancer. You never think of cancer, especially as a gift from the Lord. 
But in this case, it's an example of God using all things or working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his prayers. And as Hindle's been praying for Mike for decades uh, to get saved, um, God used this disease to bring Mike to the end of himself. Now, obviously, we all would have liked for Mike to be healed. And my prayer, especially as I sensed that the Lord was saying the time is getting near, my prayer was, Lord, give them some time. Give them some time to be a husband and a wife in Christ. Give them some time to to, to really enjoy one another in your presence. Um, and And that wasn't God's plan. But he brought Mike to that place where he gave his heart to Christ. And uh, as she says in this email, the next day he started a swift decline in mind and body. Um, That's our gracious, loving, patient God. So never stop praying. Jesus told the parable of the persistent widow. And he even gave us the whole point of the parable that we would pray and never grow weary or never grow faint in our prayers, but to keep praying. And here's a case where it paid off. And just think about this. Hindle uh, is going to spend forever with Mike, where just a few weeks ago, uh, that wasn't certain. And, you know, having done a lot of funerals, I just can't imagine... um, how difficult it would have been for her today. Rather than knowing she's going to see Mike again, how difficult it would have been had God not been faithful. Of course, it's impossible for God not to be faithful. And he answered her prayers and our prayers. So to our audience, thank you very much for praying. Um, And Hindu, we love you. And uh, I'm praying for you daily. You know, it's a big change in life, especially when you've been the primary caregiver. It's a big change in life when all of a sudden uh, you're there and it's just you and Jesus. And I know he has magnificent ministry ahead for you. So bless your heart. We love you. And, um, you know, I'll finally get to meet Mike. (laughs) I can't wait for that moment where I get to look at him and say, now aren't you sorry you waited so long? And he'll smile at me. And, of course, he'll say, yeah, she was right all along. And usually that's the case. So, Hindu, God bless you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, here's another comment. I'm, I can't, I'm not going to read this one. Um, uh, I'm going to read it, but, but I'm not going to address it other than, than generally. It's from Maria. And, Maria, I want you to know uh, I got your email, and um, I'll explain to you why I'm not going to address it. She says, Hi, Pastor On. I really enjoyed Mary Klassen's summer devotional. It's very humbling. I wasn't able to make it, but I was wondering... Uh, why her husband was a pastor and then not? Why is he not going to church with Mary anymore? Uh, what can we learn and take away and learn from Mary that we can do better in our lives? Maria, this isn't my story to tell. Um, uh, if you want to know, then those questions would best be dress, addressed uh, by uh, Mary Ellen and Jeff. Um, and, and they probably will choose not to answer. Uh, but this is information that we really don't need to know. Um, and, and, uh, I would never talk about somebody personally without first having their permission. And that's something I think that all of us as Christians, we really need to take to heart. Uh, we don't need to share everything. We don't need to know everything. I know our flesh wants to, but, but this is their story. And Mary Ellen yesterday, for those of you who, who weren't here or didn't watch, uh, at calvaryessay.com, go there and listen to her, watch her devotion, Sweet Summer Devotion. It was spectacular. Uh, I've known them, obviously, for now 23, 24 years. And uh, uh, I thought Mary Ellen was brave. I thought she was inspiring. Uh, It was very difficult for her to deal with some of the things. I think what she said was honoring to her husband. Uh, And I think Jesus was just smiling from ear to ear as she was sharing her heart uh, with the other ladies. You know, when you've got a room full of people, it's hard. It's like you're standing up there naked, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but um, what, what courage she demonstrated. And uh, it's one of the best Sweet Summer devotions that we've ever had here. We've had so many wonderful ones. But, but this was just a woman who stood up 
and took personal responsibility for the issues in 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 uh, her life, not blaming anybody else. And uh, I, I, you know, I love her so much, and I just was overwhelmingly proud of her. So, Maria, it's it's not that there isn't some things to learn from all of this. There is. Uh, but But again, this is not my story to tell. And can I plead with all Christians, let's resist the need to know stuff. We don't need to know reasons. God knows it all. And just enjoy what God put on your heart to share. And uh, I think life gets a lot sweeter if we're not worried about what's going on or what the story is in the background of other people's lives. Um, what, what the Holy Spirit will talk to you about, if we'll take that approach, is what he wants to say to you about the things in your life. One of the things that I've said here to our church here at Calvary Chapel for so many, many years is that when the Holy Spirit is talking to you, he's not talking about other people. He's talking about you. He's talking to you. And he'll use testimonies and circumstances and Bible studies and the like to to get the attention of your heart. And I think if everybody listens to Mary Ellen's devotion uh, from uh, last night, I think the result will be that the Lord will put his finger on some of the things in your heart that he wants to deal with. And that's the real value of our Sweet Summer Devotion series. So we have only one more, and that's um, next Monday night, this coming Monday night, and that will be Darlene Littman, who has been our children's ministry director for, oh gosh, 25 plus of our 27 years here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And truly, um, her and her husband, Ron, who is an elder here at the church, are are heroes to me. Just absolute heroes to me. And uh, Darlene is the one that came to me one day and she said, You know, Pastor Ron, if more people would just listen to you teach the Bible, then the problems would get fixed. And it's always been that way. So, Maria, not trying to avoid your question. It's just not my story to tell. Okay, one more thing before I get to the regular questions. While we await your phone calls. Happy birthday, Paula. Happy birthday, beautiful. We love you. I love you. And thank you for hanging around with me for all of these years. And um, today, you're only one year younger than me. God bless you, sweetheart. See you in a little while. Okay, here's the question. Anonymous says, Worship ministry, how do we get involved in a church like yours? Um, Anonymous, I'm assuming you're talking about you're, you're a musician or a singer or something, and you would like to get involved in worship ministry, uh, I think the first thing I would tell you to do is is get plugged into a church and serve at that church so people can get to know you and get to know your heart. You know, the, the, the requirement for um, being in a worship ministry, I think, is uh, not just being able to play well, but... And I'm the senior pastor here, so from my perspective, the most important thing by far is your heart for worship and your heart for Jesus. And, uh, you know, if people come in, they say, well, well, how can I get involved in ministry? Uh, my first response is, well, let's slow down a little bit. Let's find, let's get to know each other and, and love each other. And, and, and you can learn to trust us and we can learn to trust you. Uh, but but people just don't get on stage in any kind of a church. At least it should be the case that they don't get on stage in any kind of a church, given a public platform, until they have been proven. They've been tested. First Corinthians four two, one of the most practical passages in our New Testament. It is required that every man or woman given a a, a trust must prove faithful. Uh, it's a requirement. The must uh, is important there. And so uh, our worship pastors, our current worship uh, pastor and his wife, um, they began um, serving in children's ministry when they got here. And they were faithful for a long time. And uh, we just watched their heart. They just really dug in and got involved and and became sons and daughters to us. And um, um, it just was so easy when uh, the, the worship pastor that I had for 10 years 
uh, it was time for him to go plant a church. That's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in North Central San Antonio. Troy Neely, uh, um, it was time clearly time for him to go plant his own church. And um, um, when I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I've had the best worship pastor ever. What am I going to do now? And uh, the Lord just said, slow down. He's right there. And um, uh, boy, Pastor Lane has been one of God's greatest gifts to me personally and to this church. And uh, we have been blessed abundantly. But they were proven. They demonstrated their faithfulness. They demonstrated their, their willingness to serve um, uh, you know, in, in, in far less visible ministries. So that's the first step. The second step would be uh, to let the worship leader or worship pastor in your church um, know that's your interest and start to get to know them. Um, obviously, we want people to be able to sing and play, uh, but at the same time, uh, because the heart is more important than that, that that unity can be developed. And then, if uh, if your musical ability is such that that uh, you're 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 qualified, um, you know, unfortunately, we have a lot of people who think they are qualified to worship who really aren't. That's always a little bit touchy. But uh, if you're qualified, then the worship team will work you in. Uh, here at Calvary Chapel, we've got several worship groups or worship teams. Uh, but we're always looking for more. You see, we want to get more people involved, not less people. We want to get more people involved. But that would begin with you going to our worship pastor, that's Pastor Lane at our church or whatever church you go to, and uh, and then you just get involved. But it's got to be uh, as a servant, as a servant of God, not wanting any attention, not wanting people to see how gifted you are or anything else. Let me take a minute. I don't have anybody holding on the phone. So let me take a minute to talk about uh, the worship team. For me personally, I'm not a super big music person. You know, so the people that are really moved emotionally by music, I'm not one of those. Uh, for me, the single greatest source of worship, while, while the music portion of our worship is going on, is that I know the people. I know the people. And I know what they've been through, and I know their hearts for God, and I know how many tests they've passed. I know their walk with Jesus is fruitful. I see the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, and, and watching them and knowing their stories, My, um, uh, and I'll just talk about the Sunday team for now, at least the at this point, but but uh, the the lead guitar player on our Sunday team has been here for sixteen, seventeen years. Um, um, at one time, he was homeless, strung out on drugs. Um, we we joke about picking him up at Travis Park at the Joy of Jesus, and we've watched this man not only get sober and stay sober, but we've watched him turn into a godly husband and a godly father and a godly grandfather. Uh, he has been a faithful, faithful contributor to the church. And I don't mean money, but I mean just just time and effort. Um, and uh, I think when I'm, when I'm watching the team worship, I can look at him and think, Lord, he was almost lost. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. I think about our drummer. We got the goofiest drummer in the whole world. He is great. He's great, but he's just a goofball. And when he drums, uh, and, and he gives drum lessons for free and stuff, but when he first came to Calvary Chapel, he'd come from an out-of-control, charismatic church, and he wanted to get up and run around the sanctuary whooping and hollering. And we just told him, no, 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 hold on. <laughs> we don't do that here. And uh, uh, instead of rebelling, he just sat and he watched and he learned. And he and his family, again, have been an unbelievable blessing. And... As I said, he gives drum lessons for free to people. He's got a YouTube channel where he gives drum lessons, and uh, his kids have grown up here. And we have just been blessed abundantly. See, only God can do that. Only God can do that. We have different singers who come in and keyboard players. And uh, I just, I just, because I know their stories, I absolutely love rejoicing over what God has done in them. So, Anonymous, 
that's the thing. It can't be to get attention. It can't be to show people how gifted you are. Uh, it's got to be worship. One final thought. Um, we have to be very careful who gets the glory during worship. And one of the things that we see that's fairly common in our modern contemporary music church culture, um, we see people kind of putting on concerts. And uh, I want my worship to be invisible, the, the humans invisible. Um, so we're not bouncing around the stage. My worship uh, leader is not interrupting and uh, I call it sermon praying. You know, they're, they're praying at the same time they're they're teaching. Uh, I told them at the very beginning, your job is to, to pray to open, to worship, and pray to close. But but short, quick, effective prayers. Uh, your ministry is worship, not teaching. And so he, he doesn't talk a lot. That's a good thing. Because when he does talk, now people listen. So I think that's the best way to explain the question. This is from somebody who's not musical. 340-9585. The phones have been quiet Thursday, Friday, and yesterday, so we'd love your calls. Here's a question from Charles. He said, what should Christians do about the lawlessness that is taking over our country? This is real simple. Here's what Christians should do. We should pray. We should look at the eastern sky every morning and wait for Jesus to come. Because he's coming. We shouldn't be caught off guard. We certainly shouldn't lose hope. Um, this is what the Bible tells us the world is going to be like just prior to the coming of Jesus. Now, want to be really practical? I think what I told you is practical, but if you want something more practical, vote. Vote your conscience, and I hope your conscience is, is a, a Christian worldview. But vote, and then pray for the leaders who are responsible for allowing the lawlessness. You know, we have an obligation to pray for our leaders whether or not we agree with them. That's a commandment. We're to pray for our leaders. And if we're not doing that, we have no right to complain about them. We, have, we shouldn't complain anyway, but we have, we have no right to have any opinion about what they're doing. It's our responsibility to pray. And then even more practically, Charles, our job is to go out and tell other people that Jesus is coming soon. That this is a lawlessness that Second Timothy chapter 3 speaks about in the very last days. Things that we never thought would happen before. But this is what they're talking about. So that's what we should do. Okay, let's go to Ron on line one. Ron, thanks for being our first caller today. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Paul. How are you doing, sir? Pastor Hi, I'm Ron, Pastor I'm Ron. sorry. I did it again. <laughs> That's I okay. I told you before, once you thought I meant, I said Paula. No, I, I said Pastor Paul, because I'm always, <laughs> excuse me, I just think of uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, his name just enters my heart and my mind. It just happens. I don't know why. And it, not with any other pastor, only when I'm speaking with you, Pastor Ron. <laughs> well, if Ron, if I get to share some space in your heart with Paul the Apostle, I'm honored. Well, What's up? I, I would be. Yeah. Well, my daughter did receive brandy, received a, uh, uh, from uh, Ken, I believe it's Pastor Ken. Uh-huh. And if everything goes right, I where I work. Oh, and I've got to jump. If somebody falls out, i got to fall in. Go to our mass, our, our church. Uh, we, we attend uh, a hill, and um But we've decided we want to... Um, we can't wait to meet... Uh, you, Pastor Ron, and Mama Paula, and um, and it looks like uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're just excited. We're we're gonna have our full immersion baptism, and it looks like it's gonna be in Spring Creek. I've got it's on the phone here. I think it's gonna be in. Uh, it was gonna be in New Braunfels, and uh, I believe it's at four p.m. And I just want to let you know we can't wait. We're both of us are very excited for this to to, to happen in our lives and our 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 soul and our spirit and. And uh, I know that uh, you and Mama Paul are going to be there, correct? Yep. 
I'll be doing I'll be doing the baptisms. And by the way, Ron, you know, it it's uh, we'll probably be getting in the water 4:15 or so, but there's uh, okay. a, a potluck lunch uh, lots of good food, so feel free to come earlier. Uh, Paul and I will probably be out there around 3.15, so um, come out as early as you want to come out, and, and don't be shy. The people, you will love them, and you will be blessed abundantly. And uh, we, we got Brandy's email, and uh, we're, we're excited to meet you guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll extend that again to her, and um We'll see you early. We're, we're definitely going to partake in food because we both love good food, but uh, we love uh, <laughs> most of all the Word and the Word that you deliver from our Father through your heart and your spirit, and uh, you're, you're, you're our conduit on the radio, and, and, and I, we just cannot wait to meet both of you all. Thank you, Ron. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Appreciate it. Hey, we're coming up to the end of this first half of the program. Let me just share with everybody, Sunday, August the 7th, uh, we're going to be having our summer baptism event. Now, we do baptisms throughout the year as well, but lots of people are going to be getting baptized on Sunday uh, in a home, a beautiful home. Uh, it, it'll be a blast. That's Sunday. Uh, starting around 3.15, we'll be getting baptized uh, starting around 4.15. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the Tuesday show, 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back. When the announcer said, welcome back, I was lip-syncing for my producer. And I'm just thinking, if only I had a voice like that. Instead, Winnie the Pooh says, welcome back. Hey, thank you for being patient and holding on. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Let's go to Cindy on line one. Cindy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I, um, I'm curious about something that I think I need to get clarification on it. I was... I woke up early Sunday morning, so I watched a pastor on TV who's really neat. I never question, you know, anything that he says. But the, the subject was the will of God and knowing God's will. And he was talking about that we need to pray. And, of course, you know, I know that, you know, before we make any decisions that we really need to pray. But the part that I'm a little kind of confused on is that he said, now, when you pray, you don't make your decision or you don't act until you have the peace of God. Now, that kind of confuses me about how do we step out in faith if if we don't have the peace of God um, in in a prayer for an answer, then, then, then how does that coincide with stepping out in faith? I mean, it's not this life-changing thing that, you know, that, that I'm having to pray about, but it is a situation that something really needs to be done about it, and I keep praying about it, and I don't know what to do, so I'll just let okay. you kind of sort all that out for me. I'm going to get off the Thank phone you. and listen on the radio. Bye. Thank you, Cindy. Hey, two things before I get into the question. First, question everybody. Not in a skeptical, cynical way, but question everybody. Be a Berean. You know, they wanted what Paul was teaching them to be true. I mean, they were excited. This sounds like good news. But they checked it out with the scriptures to make sure it was true. So check out everybody. Now, I happened to listen to that very same message. Uh, I love Charles Stanley. I absolutely love Charles Stanley, and I love old Charles Stanley better than the slightly younger Charles Stanley. Paul and I joke at home, um, uh, we've been watching Charles Stanley since I got saved, so that's for 31 years. And Paula always liked him because he had lists of things. He does lists. And we were laughing the other day. He said, you know, he was old back then. And now he's retired from the church, but he's still very active in ministry. And uh, his faithfulness and his consistency— has has just brought me to a place where I appreciate him 
way, way more uh, than than I was able to appreciate him back then. So we uh, we listen to Charles Stanley. We we watch him on the television. Uh, on Sunday mornings, typically before we come to church, Paul and I uh, will sit down and listen to two um, two separate pastors on Sunday morning. Uh, we do that together before before we come to church. It's just sort of a way that we can be encouraged and fed, uh, and so we enjoy that. And Charles Stanley is just a treasure, an absolute treasure, um, uh, for, for and his ministry, of course, will endure much like J. Vernon McGee's uh, has endured. Uh, having said that, uh, the will of God, I, I think we misunderstand the peace of God. It's not peace that the decision that you've arrived at uh, is going to be without problems. That's not peace. Um, when we are in the will of God, we are going to find all kinds of interference, Cindy. Uh, it's going to be scary. It's going to be risky. But the peace is that he is with you and it's what you want to do. Uh, I will say it this way, I, I, and and you've heard me say this, Cindy. Um, um, the best move for all of us to make is to make no move at all until we're sure that the next move we make is the one he wants us to make. So what we do is we wait and we exercise patience, and God will give you the go sign. It's that simple. Now, that does not mean that it's going to be without difficulty, as I said a moment ago. It, it doesn't mean, and we, we kind of think, when we when we think about, well, God will give me peace over it, uh, that means it won't be scary, it won't be um, um, uh, perilous in the, in the sense that there's going to be all kinds of obstacles and spiritual warfare. That's not what it means. It just means that I can sit down and say, okay, Lord, uh, I want to do this for your glory. Um, so what do I do? And as I'm in the Word, as I'm seeking Him in prayer, He's going to let me know what the next step is. Now, He doesn't tell me what's going to happen as a result of that step. He never promises me that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be super fun or or even that that the, the resources are going to be there. But here's what I knew. I know. I know that I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to trust in Him not not trust that I made the right decision. I'm going to trust in him. And a lot of that for me, Cindy, has to do with knowing for sure that if I'm somehow wrong, and I can be wrong like any other human, if I'm somehow wrong, God's going to protect me because my heart is right. And to me, that's the peace that uh, Charles Stanley was talking about. So, um, that was a, a, a good message. It was um, a little bit more complicated than some of the other messages, most of the other messages he has. But, um, you know, the will of God is a complicated um, thing to find. Um, we want more information than God thinks we need. Um, and so too often we don't do anything but what what we need to know is the will of God. By the way, Cindy, I'm going to be doing a study on Friday night here in First uh, Thessalonians, uh, the end of chapter three and the first part of chapter four, where um, it says in the text, it is God's will, and then gives us a list of things that we know are God's will. And I think a lot of times we don't have the peace of God about what his will that we're seeking is because we're not being obedient to the things that the Bible says clearly are his will. Uh, he, stalk, talks, he starts out by talking about um, that, that we wouldn't be involved in sexual immorality, um, you know, that we would be concerned about walking in righteousness and holiness, and it is God's will. Why would God ever give us his will for our future uh, you want to, should I take this job? Should I buy this house? Um, should I go into ministry? What should I do? Why would God answer that question if we're not living a life that is characterized by obedience in the things that we know for sure are his will? It's God's will that we're grateful. It's God's will that we put him first in everything. If we're not doing those things, God's not going to share the more difficult things. So um, when, when Charles Stanley was talking about peace, it's not that you're even going to be 100% certain that you heard right, but you are going to be 100% confident in God's ability to care for you. We humans, we want way too much information. And that's what walking by faith is all about. 
It's okay, Lord. My heart's right with you. This is what I really believe you want me to do. And so I'm going to take this step of faith. And if we knew how it was going to go, if we knew what the results were going to be, then it wouldn't require any faith at all. I think we're looking for too much specificity in information. God says, no, 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 just trust me. Just follow me. I say all the time, just be with Jesus. Just just hang out with me, and I'll lead you into his perfect, pleasing will. You know, Cindy, and again, I don't think I've got nobody, I've got nobody holding on the line. So um, when the Lord told us to come to San Antonio, um, uh, it was March 4th, 1994, uh, when the Lord told me to begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas. And, and it's a place we'd never been. We didn't know anybody in Texas. We certainly never wanted to come to Texas. But he said to begin praying for the people of San Antonio. Um, I did that dutifully for two weeks. I was out one day again praying and just talking to the Lord. And uh, and, and he put it on my heart to ask why. I hadn't even asked why I'm praying for people in San Antonio, Texas. I said, Lord, why am I praying for the people in San Antonio, Texas? And his response was so clear to my heart. Again, nothing strange. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was so certain. And his response was, that's where I'll be waiting for you. Now, I knew I was called to be a pastor. I knew I had to finish Bible college. And so here's what I interpreted that to mean. As soon as I graduate, I'm going to San Antonio, Texas with Paula to meet Jesus. And he didn't tell me one more piece of information at all about it. And I had people asking me, why are you going to San Antonio? And I had to say, I don't know. We men, we don't like to say, I don't know. We like to have answers. Um, and, And all I knew was I had to get there. And when I got there, I'd get orders. When I got there, he'd be waiting for me. And and believe me, that took faith because we were terrified. You talk about not having peace in the sense that we we knew how things were going to work out. Um, but, but we were, Paul and I together, we were 100% in agreement that that was the direction that the Lord had given us and Jesus would in fact be there waiting for us. Thank you, Cindy. Good question. I appreciate it very, very much. Here is a question. This one is from Alan. And he says, Pastor, what will today's Christians be doing in the millennial kingdom? We will, Alan, be ruling and reigning with Jesus. Now, we don't know what that involves. We will have a role in judging um, uh, angels, fallen angels. We'll have a role in judging uh, people that rebel against God. The judgment will be sure and it will be stiff. Uh, 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 very, very uh, swift, rather. Uh, it'll be stiff, too, but it'll be swift. And um, beyond that, we're not given any specifics. So whatever ruling and reigning with Jesus means, uh, we also know that in the millennium, our responsibility will be proportioned to us uh, according to our faithfulness here. So what we do here on earth matters and will increase our ability uh, to bring honor and glory to Jesus during the millennial reign of Christ. So um, beyond that, Alan, we're not given any specifics. Uh, We just know that we'll be with Jesus. It'll be great. And we will have responsibility. Uh, I always like to think, you know, we'll be given different areas. I told uh, my church jokingly one day, I said, no, I'll probably get San Antonio And Pastor Ken will probably get the beach somewhere, but just joking. But uh, the idea is is that um, we'll be looking in his eyes, and he'll give us directions, and we will do it. We will be ruling and reigning over people in their physical flesh and blood bodies. We'll be in our glorified, physically resurrected bodies. Um, So apart from that, Alan, that's all we know. That's all we know. Anonymous says, will you please comment on Christians allowing their children to play violent video games? They shouldn't do it. How's that for a comment? Um, video games are are difficult. Uh, I don't want to be the old guy, you know, uh, who's, you know, crotchety and, oh, the kids need to get out of these video games. I understand for some people video games are fun. I never liked them. Uh, I was always playing with a ball and, and outside running and doing stuff, but but uh, our kids, it is an epidemic of video gaming, uh, and and our kids aren't learning to read. Uh, they're they're wasting their time. Um, so I'm I'm 
weary of video gaming altogether. Having said that, I realize that your kids love it. And so here's what I would comment on. I would say they shouldn't be playing violent video games, period. They shouldn't be playing video games that honor the devil or demons or anything like that. They shouldn't be playing video games um, uh, endlessly. You should give them time limits per day or per week. Uh, And it should only be done as a reward for being faithful in other areas, doing homework, doing their chores at at the house, those kind of things. Um, And you really need to be careful. Parents really need to be careful because today's video games, they can hook up with all kinds of other people that they don't know um, and open themselves up to uh, stalking and other kinds of things. So, um, you know, video games aren't going away. I'm not going to change the world that we live in, but they are so addictive. Uh, I know kids that can barely get out of bed Uh, who will stay up most of the night playing video games because they're in their room and they have their gaming devices and uh, and their parents don't know or their parents do know and don't care. Uh, But your children need sleep. They need balance. Um, They need to be in the Word more time uh, than they are on video games. Just those kinds of things. You know, that might be a good idea for a show one day. Get some of our, our junior hires and high schoolers in here and people that love the Lord and talk about how they balance uh, video games and and I would add time on their phones as well. That's not a bad idea. So Anonymous, that's all I'm qualified to comment on. I don't play video games. I don't know what they are. The commercials I see for them are horrifying. Here's a question from Jesus. I assume it's not Jesus. It's Jesus. Um, which of the Old Testament prophets most interests you personally? Uh, that's kind of a hard one. I'll say off the top of my head, Jeremiah. Uh, I admire Jeremiah. He started young. Um, um, he was asked to come out of the world. Uh, he was faithful for more than 40 years, roughly 42 years, um, without a single convert. Uh, he was faithful in a time when God had already told him that the people that he's going to be prophesying to won't listen. They'll listen to false prophets, but they won't listen to you. Not only that, they will hate you. They will try multiple times to kill you. Um, uh, Jeremiah's scrolls were burned up by the, the, the wicked king over and over and over. And he kept having to do them over and over and over. And um, I think his ministry is fascinating uh, I also, uh, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel, now this is just my impression. This may not be true, but but Ezekiel seems like the smartest of all of the prophets. Um, he, he just he just seems like he's playing with an intellectual deck that's above and beyond what most of us understand. But Ezekiel was also uh, a rare combination of a, of a, of a really intelligent man, um, faithful to God, uh, but who was asked to really step outside of his comfort zone. And he had to do some really hard things. So uh, I think Jeremiah and Ezekiel would be the two that most interest me personally. Um, I think more than that, the subject. Uh, they're, they're prophesying in a time of judgment, a time where it appears to be, uh, uh, that appears to be without hope. Uh, and yet they're both very, very faithful. Ezekiel, of course, prophesying from Babylon. Jeremiah prophesying during the same period of time, uh, prophesying from Jerusalem. So Jesus, that's my opinion for whatever is worth. Here's a question from Norman. Um, he says, I know God is sovereign. So must I conclude that God is the cause of the bad things in the world? Norman, that would be just the opposite of, of what you should conclude. God is sovereign over the bad things that, that are happening in this world, but he doesn't cause the bad things that happen. God knows stuff is going to happen, um, but he doesn't cause those things to happen. In the same way, God knows who's going to get saved. God knows who's going to reject him, but God doesn't cause them to reject him or to accept him. God leaves that to our own choice. So, No, God is not the cause of bad things. Sin, the devil, 
uh, fallen angels in our ugly, horrible flesh. Um, you know, we looked in the mirror and we're the ones who are guilty. So we're the cause of bad things. God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone by evil, we're told in the New Testament. And so, um, yes, God is sovereign, and that should be a source of great comfort. And yes, he does know what's going to happen, but he doesn't cause those things to happen. It's that he doesn't intervene, Norman, stopping the bad things. But again, that does not mean that he is the cause of them. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. 340-9585 for uh, your calls and questions. we got a little bit of time left here in our program today. Here's a question from Bruce. Um, He says, how much time is okay to spend on social media platforms? Um, I'm the the worst person in the world to ask about this, Bruce, because I'm not on social media at all. Uh, I check email. Uh, There are a few blogs that I follow. Um, and sometimes because uh, I, they talk about me, um, and I don't. I'm not that I'm following negative stuff. Not that at all. But but I just I want to know what's going on. Um, um, but um, uh, other than that, I don't. I just don't see any need at all to spend time on social media platforms. Why anybody would spend time on TikTok or why anybody would spend time on Tinder or you? Well, YouTube has some value. Um, uh, I, I, Facebook, I, I still never understand. Facebook is nothing but gossip. And every time I say that, people say, oh, no, I use it for the glory of God. There is so much gossip on your Facebook page. No matter what you say, um, it's there. And, and I think if we would all look at it with Jesus sitting there right next to us, say, okay, Lord, are you pleased that I said this or that I wrote this or that I listened to somebody write that or write that? I think we'd have the answer to those questions. So I don't think it's okay to spend time on social media platforms um, really much at all. Having said that, Bruce, I'm not being naive here. I know I'm not going to change the world. Uh, I cannot, uh, I just cannot understand why anybody wants to be a slave to their phone. I don't, I don't get it. I never will get it. Um, I was in the gym the other day and there was a lady who was uh, using a machine that I was about to use and I had to wait for her and she would do a set and then she'd pick up her phone immediately. I mean, the set's over, she's got a phone in her hand and she's she's going through things and she'd spend five, eight minutes um, um, just sitting on the machine uh, while she's... I don't understand that. I just don't get that. So let me say this. For a Christian, if you spend more time on social media platforms, spend more time on your phone than you do in the Bible, then your life is out of balance. Your priorities are wrong. So that's what I would do. In the Word and in prayer, you need to spend more time there than you do uh, on social media of any sort at all. Uh, again, I, I, I'll never understand it. I've, had, I've asked questions. I've had people try to explain it. And I never have heard an answer that makes any sense other than, well, I just like to know what's going on in other people's lives. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So, Bruce, that's the best I could do. It'll be my last question for the day. It's from Cynthia. She says, Pastor Ron, if you think God brings a man into your life who's not a Christian, is it because he wants you to share the gospel with him? Cynthia, let me answer this very directly. If you think God has brought a man into your life who's not a Christian, you're wrong. Period. You're wrong. Now, we should share the gospel with everybody, especially unbelievers. But God would not bring a man into your life who doesn't love him. It's one of those things. God doesn't cause us to to, to fall for somebody who's not a believer. That's our choice. But he doesn't intervene either. He doesn't stop us. And Cynthia, all I can tell you is if you get involved with an unbelieving man, there's going to be more pain in your life than you've ever possibly bargained for. So, no, it's not because he wants you to share. Your job isn't evangelizing the world in, in, in terms of dating, and certainly not in any way that violates the clear teaching of the Word of God. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Paul can't be any more clear than that. And yet, because we are smitten by somebody, 
because somebody catches our eye or somebody shows us attention, we start the process with the help of the devil. We start the process of rationalizing. Well, well, maybe God brought him into my life because, or maybe God brought her into my life because, and, and it never works out. Not ever. Not with a lot of pain or without a lot of pain, rather. Uh, it just, it's just never going to happen. So, Cynthia, please don't fall for the trap. That is the lie of the devil. And I promise you this, Cynthia, wherever you go to church, you go to somebody who's in charge of women's ministry and ask her, is there somebody who's really been involved in an unequally yoked relationship who I can talk to? And instantly she'll have a dozen names for you because this is the kind of pain and the degree of pain that we deal with a lot. And I mean a lot in the church. And over and over, people come back to me and say, I wish I'd listened to you, and now it's a mess. And then they're stuck. Uh, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Cynthia, if you know the word, you know what's from God and what isn't from God. So I hope that makes sense. Let me remind you again, we're done for today. Let me remind you of Sunday, uh, August the 7th, we will be having our annual outdoor baptism event here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. It'll be uh, the, the address where you can you can um, go is on our website, calvarysa.com. And uh, we'd love to have you. If you haven't been baptized and you're a born-again Christian, um, if you haven't been baptized of your own free will, it's time to do it and be obedient to the Lord. Uh, also, one more reminder, uh, Mary Ellen Class and Sweet Summer Devotion uh, yesterday is now available at calvarysa.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you at 4 o'clock. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.